All right, happy Friday, Syracuse fans. Welcome back to Locked On Syracuse. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky here with you as we are every single weekday on Locked On Syracuse. And today, Tyler, we're on. We're talking during Cuse Takeover Day on the ACC Network. Just in case some fans forgot, they've got a full schedule of Syracuse games. If you do have the ACC Network, which I guess most fans do, although there was some drama around that initially, but. Every single time. All right. I still don't. I used to sign into your cable provider. Thank you for that, by the way, for the past (laughs) Uh year. So I could get the ACC network, but I I, I can't get it. I can't get it out in Chicago. There's no love for the ACC out here. Even though Notre Dame is a a nine iron away. I don't get it. A nine iron away. Yeah. Well, this this can be a fun day for those that do have the ACC network, not to just rub it in, but I'm going to watch some of these games. It starts actually on midnight, and it's all day, 24 hours, and nothing but Syracuse games. A lot of Syracuse beating Duke, just to highlight some of the big ones, kind of starting around 1130 is when I think I'm going to tune in, because 2017 Duke over, or Syracuse over Duke game, that's the John Gillen game, that's at 1130 on ACC network on Friday 1.30, right after that, you go from one epic buzzer beater to another. It's the Tyler Ennis over Pittsburgh from 2014 when they were undefeated to start the year. 3 p.m. is a fun men's lax game. 2015 ACC championship game, Duke and Syracuse. Again, Syracuse beating Duke. And then 5 p.m. is actually this year's kind of signature women's basketball win and a game winner against Florida State. 7 p.m. is the Dino Babers upset over Clemson in 2017 when they were ranked number two in the country, of course. And 10 p.m., it rounds it out with, I think, the best game to round it out, the 2014 Duke-Syracuse yep. game in front of 35,000-plus. Overtime, Rashid Suleiman hits the shot to send it to OT. You get the Rodney Hood foul, non-foul, and Syracuse going to 21-0 and on the season. The good old days when they were actually relevant and good in the regular season. Yeah, at least day in and day out. They were uh, amongst the cream of the crop. I will say, looking through this list, and again, these are only games from when Syracuse was in the ACC. So if you're wondering, where are some of those old Big East matchups? Where's my pro Washington? Where's my Carmelo Anthony? That's why you're not getting it. Even though Carmelo is the greatest player in ACC history, supposedly. (laughs) But I will say there's one, actually there's a couple games that that got left off here uh, that immediately come to mind. Uh, how about last year, not this previous season, but the year before that, when Syracuse beat Zion in Cameron Indoor? I think that would have been a nice addition somewhere yeah. in there, that overtime win. And I also would have liked to see last year's uh, Syracuse-UNC football game when Tommy DeVito subs himself oh, in. Oh, that's a good or, Well, he didn't sub yeah. himself in. Dino subbed him in for Eric Dungy, and he leads that improbable comeback because that game just – makes no sense i went back and watched that not too long ago and yeah just thinking back to all the events that took place during that game unbelievable contest and, and one of my favorites another one that i would have loved to see on here is the from that same football season well first of all where's the bowl game uh, where well I, it's I not see... against an acc team i guess so. Yeah. yeah so but I still about that maybe i don't know if, if like are they gonna put clemson's national championship games in when Clemson takes over, if they haven't uh, already, I, I don't know. You yeah, figure that point. those would go go in, but <laughs> right. Another one I'm thinking of is the one that got them to the bowl game, the the sixth win, which came against NC State. Yes. That was one of the most fun environments yeah. that the Carrier Dome had that season. 
not just football, but football that got him and basketball, too. lacrosse. Yeah, that was one of those really, really fun games. Primetime ESPN. So would have liked out. to see that. Yeah. Another one that, that came to mind, too, I believe this was, what is this now, the 2016 ACC lacrosse. I believe it was the semifinals when they had to move to turf, uh, I believe it was turf field two or whatever. I forget what okay. the number was of the turf field, but they had to move there because there was heavy rains and the field was unplayable. So they had to move out of the stadium. Maybe they're not putting it on because I think the broadcast actually kind of cut off. I think Anish Shroff was on the call, I believe, with someone else. Uh, maybe it was Kark. And mm-hmm. they, since the ESPN feed got cut off, they called the game on Periscope, on like Anish's Periscope really? or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they can't put that on. Then. Yeah, so maybe <laughs> maybe that's why they're not putting that one. But I remember that being a really good game and would have been fun to, to add on to that. But yeah. th- there's my, my small qualms right there. Okay, I like the UNC football one a lot because that is a it's better great than this what if Duke football game. game against Syracuse. Yeah, for sure. I guess they were looking. I mean, even the Wake Forest for game from this year. Yeah, but the Wake Forest game I would put on over that. I think. Yeah, you probably that was a more epic finish and everything. Yeah. Duke was the only game that they actually played well for all four quarters. It feels right. like. But anyway, we will get into football a little bit later on in today's show and talk about. Why Syracuse has a pretty favorable football schedule. ESPN ran some numbers on that. We'll give you those numbers in the next segment. And also, we're going to do our top five moments of the Syracuse season. Basketball, football, lacrosse, everything. Syracuse athletics and break down what were the most fun moments and take a little bit of time to reflect here during this quarantine. But we start today with the news that came out earlier on Thursday And it's the battle for Atlantis, Bahamas. Syracuse is going back in 2021. They will play in a very strong field. It'll be the first time the Orange will play in the battle for Atlantis since they won the thing and then went on to the Final Four. They won in 2015 ahead of that 2016 Final Four year. But this field, not only is it a lot of teams that Syracuse has played recently, you got Arizona State and Michigan State, who they played and beat in the tournament. UConn, who they traditionally play, and it's good to see UConn show up kind of somewhat in Syracuse's schedule. Again, this is not this upcoming year. It's 2021, but just to round out the list, Auburn, VCU, and then Loyola, Chicago, and Sister Jean. There is one other team that is currently TBD. This is all according to John Rothstein as the 2021 Battle for Atlantis field, but all these teams, I think I saw our buddy James Zuba tweet this, all these teams have made a Final Four in the past decade, yeah. except for Arizona State, who has actually been pretty good overall as a program. But they've made a lot of first up. fours, all right? So that <laughs> makes have. up for that. <laughs> right. It's a little bit different, but I, I, this is, I think Battle for Atlantis, you and I love these college basketball Feast Week tournaments over Thanksgiving. I think this is quietly becoming a better tournament than Maui year in yes. and year out in terms of the field. And I know you have some theories on how this usually results in the yeah, national can I give champion. My, can I Go give my it. theory? Okay, so the battle for Atlantis, it, it doesn't necessarily determine the national champion, but when you go through the numbers, and let's get rid of this year since there was no tournament, but when you look at the last five battle for Atlantises, okay, four champions have gone to the final four. Wow. So... This year's would have been Michigan, so we, we we can't know exactly how that would have played out, but Wisconsin back in 2014, 
Syracuse 2015, Baylor's the one off year 2016, 2017 Villanova, 2018 Virginia. So this this is a great tournament that gives you a chance to make a run late in the season. And again, this field is loaded. I don't know mm-hmm. necessarily if we're going to be saying that in 2021 because of the the way that things can change and we're going to have a wonky off season in between. But like James tweeted, there's a lot of Final Fours in here. Now, yeah. there's been some changes, but when you look at the, the quality of teams, I mean, you usually get... I mean, this past year's field was pretty good too, but this year's field, I think, is just right there on par with what we saw from a season ago. Yeah, I think this is going to be a blast. And I often wonder why Syracuse doesn't do this a little bit more. A, because... It seems like when they don't play in these, you know, Maui they won in 2013. They haven't been back since. They haven't been back to the Bahamas since 2015. So when they don't play in these tropical destinations, they're probably doing like MSG or Barclays and the NIT season tip-off. And I feel like those have just been duds in terms of results recently, yeah, which but makes like no sense. Go to Maui every well, no, obviously you I can't because you need the four-year gap or whatever is in between. Yeah. They want to go to these tournaments, but again, there's budgets and stuff like that. You, you can't always play in these dream scenario tournaments, but it's yeah, yeah. They they definitely when you can get in them, you you should go and, and play in them. And I'm sure these players don't mind spending Thanksgiving in Atlantis. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe in 2021, when this all, it'll all have quieted down by then, and and maybe we can get out there to the Bahamas. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen, but if you're a Syracuse fan, I feel like that's just a dream destination to get out there and watch some basketball, because you're going to see at least three games, regardless of what happens. It's not the greatest atmosphere, maybe, but you're going to see your favorite team in a great place against a good field, and... Credit to John Rothstein for letting us know that he had the scoop on that one. He's got the 2021 field, except for one team, and we'll see who rounds out that field. But anyway, keep an eye on that. That's not next year, but it's 2021. Syracuse back in the battle for Atlantis. Maybe it'll be another title in a tropical tournament for them. When we come back, we're going to dive into next year's football schedule, a little bit more for Syracuse. John Wildhack actually had some interesting comments today. He was speaking to the media through one of those Zoom conferences on Thursday in regards to how the ACC schedule is lining up for next year and their plans with COVID-19. We'll tell you some of that and how Syracuse, if we do play football, how their schedule will fare next season, how it could be pretty good for SU. That's next on Lockdown Syracuse. All right, so ESPN dropped an interesting article earlier in the week in regards to the FBS football schedules. They went through and ranked every single one, kind of based it off opponent record from last year. And Syracuse checks in as having a pretty favorable, pretty easy schedule. Actually, the second easiest schedule in the ACC rankings in the 92nd hardest schedule in the FBS their opponent record from last year this is again the opponents that they will play this upcoming year but what they finished last year total was 78 and 76 so right around a 50 percent win percentage and ty we kind of talked about this with the over under stuff it does seem like they have a decent roadmap to get to three or four wins pretty early and it is maybe a little bit lighter schedule than what we've seen in the past i think the 
one important thing here though is how the schedule is set up and that's going to be the frustrating part because you're playing three of your first four games on the road now are the opponents the toughest no you've got boston college who's been uh, a meh team in the acc these past couple of years Rutgers, who is the laughing stock of the Big Ten every single year, but they do have a new head coach. Could that new regime be able to pick things up right away? Might be tough, though, given the circumstances of the offseason. Then sure. you've got your FCS team, your local team at home, the dome opener against Colgate. Then you travel to Western Michigan. So those are, again, the opponents aren't necessarily the toughest. But when you go on the road, anything can happen, okay? So that's that's what always concerns me the the schedule it does play out pretty favorably in terms of when when you cross over i mean georgia tech not not the strongest not not the weakest by any stretch either on the other side yeah, they're of, pretty bad of the though. acc but <laughs> yeah they're, they're having some coaching changes as well so they're trying to iron out all those kinks again it it's going to be a weird season and then you've got a a pretty late non-conference game and this is what I find very, I wouldn't say frustrating, but if you're Syracuse, wouldn't you want to buy heading into an ACC game? They get there by heading into Liberty in October, the middle of yeah. October, which if, I, if I'm Syracuse and, and the coaching staff, I would have want my schedule giving me that bye week heading into an ACC game. A game those league games are so important. And right. To to have it come against Liberty, ugh, I, I don't love that. So yeah, I think they the just don't love Liberty in yeah. general. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know there's with been, everything they're doing. Yeah, yeah, it feels think, odd. That's that's family weekend for Syracuse. It's October seventeenth yeah. right now against Liberty. Right. And again, it's almost like we have to put an asterisk on this stuff when we start talking about it because first game set for September fourth at Boston College. We don't know if right. it's going to start on time. John Wildhack in his Zoom conference with some of the Syracuse media basically said he hasn't had a ton of talks about canceling this season. They're still operating under the assumption that everything's good to go here. And, you know, he's pretty forthright about some questions that it is, you know, still definitely a question mark whether the season's going to start on time. But he said no one in the ACC and as a whole, the ACC has not been talking like, okay, are we canceling this season? So in the interest of this, and I think like ESPN doing this article, let's just go through the teams because you're still going to play these teams regardless of when the season starts, yeah. I think. I don't think now, that would change much. Maybe you slash your non-cons. I don't know how what an abbreviated right. schedule would look like. So maybe some of that gets mixed up, but even that, you throw a, a giant wrench because you've got this late at least by by non-conference standards you've got a late non-conference game against liberty and and we see this all the time too i mean doesn't clemson usually play south carolina the last week of the year too yeah or or something like that so georgia georgia tech right those games come up late and florida state florida yeah those games come at at odd times so there if if non-conference games do get slashed and i'm not saying that I know that's going to happen. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what's no going to happen. Knows. Yeah, But that's certainly something that could be on the table. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, obviously 
it's easy to look at these teams and just assume, like, there's going to be some curveballs. Last year, Louisville, we thought, was going to be one of the easier games on the schedule. It was one of the hardest by the end of the season. Mm -hmm. They had a great year. Wake Forest had a surprisingly good year. Like, stuff like that. So, I mean, you can even say it about Syracuse two years ago. They had a surprisingly good year. They were picked to finish last in their division. They were that team, and... I don't know. I feel like they're going to have a bounce back year. Obviously, a lot of it rests on Tommy DeVito and the offensive line, more importantly, and whether Chris Blake gets waived and can play right away is a big thing for sure. But this this schedule is easier than last year. I think I can confidently say that because you've just got not many games where I'm going, oof, like at Clemson is obviously as tough as it gets in the ACC. That's October 24th. After that, I mean, forget the ACC, the entire country. That's as tough as it gets. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's them, Bama, Georgia. Yeah. And you do have that Wake Forest. And you have that Pitt. Maybe I'm talking myself out of my argument here because there are still some tough games, but I guess what I'm saying is... But there's toss-up games. There's there's some games that it's like crossover portion of the schedule you're playing at home against georgia tech i don't think you could have gotten a better draw than that it like literally couldn't be an easier game on the coastal side of the division at least on paper right now non-conference at western michigan liberty at home colgate at home like those should be three wins every single time on the road Rutgers on the road yeah, I think I, the real reason behind why, okay, you bring up that Louisville game last year. Yeah, that seems like an easy game last year. And yes, Louisville outperformed its expectations, but Syracuse also wildly underperformed. Exactly. And so that's why that game seemed a little bit easier. You were expecting Tommy DeVito to have a seamless transition from, from the Eric Dungey regime. You were expecting the offensive line to pick up right where Cody Conway and all those guys left it. But both of those did not happen. And on top of that, you're losing you're losing two of your starting defensive ends, two guys that were at or around that all ACC level on the defensive line. Yeah, you're losing an all all conference wideout, a second team guy in Tristan Jackson. So you are losing a lot of skill guys. You're gonna have a new punter in. We don't talk a, a lot about the special teams, but at the end of the day it's a big thing yeah we they, they flip the field they they set up your defense in, in good spots now the defense has to go out there and perform obviously but all of this matters and you are losing three or rather four really good pieces i mean you are losing four guys who are at or above an all acc level last year yeah and I think the kicker is what will Tommy DeVito bring next season? Will he have the opportunity to improve his game given that the offensive line didn't really give him a whole lot of protection this past season? So anyway, Syracuse's schedule on paper, pretty favorable. We don't know when they'll play the games, if it'll be altered at all, but 92nd hardest schedule in the FBS according to ESPN, second easiest in the entire ACC. When we come back, we're going to send you some good vibes into the weekend here as we wrap up this week on Locked on Syracuse. We're going to go into the list portion and make our top five Syracuse moments of the season. Any sport, we're going to try and cut it down to the five best moments of the year. That's next. Okay, time to have some fun. We've got the top five moments of Syracuse athletics from this past calendar year. Maybe not the best year in Syracuse athletics history by any means, given that basketball, although the season never officially ended, 
was looking like one of their worst years in a little bit, really for women's and men's. Women's did have some some big wins, though, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit. And football, obviously, was kind of a letdown, as we kind of touched on last segment. But, you know, we kind of combined heads here, Ty, and made up this top five. And you always worry, like, are we leaving something out? I do think these five moments are still obviously just fun to look back on anytime you can shrink the list to five they're going to be great moments and despite it being kind of a down year this reminds you Syracuse did bring us a lot of joy this year too yeah the old adage with Syracuse athletics is always the the cardiac cues how are they going to let you down this time but right I mean even in a year like you mentioned that was largely down for all the programs it felt like Although it seemed like lacrosse was certainly trending upwards before their certainly. season got cut short. So, I mean, that's just the bad luck Brian meme right there, isn't it? But <laughs> yeah. I I did think there were there were plenty of meaningful moments. And it, I think there were more timely moments, too. And, and I'll right. get into that more when I, when I go through my list. All right. So do you have your own list? I have my own list. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. I'll I'll start with my list. My number five moment, you kind of touched on lacrosse. I'm going to the women's lacrosse side and that epic win over Maryland, which obviously was made even sweeter because Maryland forced them to come down south and was too scared to come up in the weather to play Syracuse on a very average winter day in Syracuse. Maryland, the women's lacrosse powerhouse, got scared, made Syracuse come down, a place where Syracuse has struggled to play Maryland in the past in women's lacrosse, and they crushed them inside their own place, even though they weren't supposed to play the game there. I think they played outdoors and everything. Right. That was a game that this year's Syracuse team was better than this year's Maryland team, but the stars aligned. It was just sweet, sweet revenge to put it on them outdoors when they were supposed to be playing inside the dome, and obviously you feel for the Syracuse athletics that they had to make that trek, but they paid it off with a victory, and Gary Yate kind of stuck it to him. So that's my number five moment. Uh, if I remember correctly, too, because that also made my list, but it's a little bit higher. If I okay. remember correctly on that, wasn't that supposed to be their senior night as well? Because yes. that was yeah. going to be their last game in the Dome. So right. the Terps go and steal their senior night. So what do they do? They go kick their tails in in College Park. I mean, that was the most baller thing I saw out of any program for Syracuse this season. No doubt. That's why it's a little bit higher on my list. My number five, I'm going with the Bryson Goodine uh, buzzer beater against Wake Forest. Okay, that's my number four. Yeah, that was the only buzzer beater that I can remember from this year. Am I I correct in that? No, you're you're correct. For better or for worse. It was a season filled with a lot of exciting ACC games because you think of like the Notre Dame game Virginia yeah. Tech a couple times I mean all the games were close all the Even games the were losses, close they yeah. really were yeah and Gerard had some moments but he kind of had some moments in losses like Notre Dame and Clemson he hit some big shots that was the only true buzzer sounded like huge Syracuse buzzer beating win which we've gotten a lot of we've kind of been spoiled in that regard recently yeah. All right, so that's that's my number four. I'll go to my number three, and then I guess we can circle back to your number four. My number three is the Trill Williams touchdown against Wake Forest. I'm assuming you have that on your yep, list as well. That's a little higher for me. I'll, I'll get to that okay. when I get to that. My number four, women's basketball beating Louisville, because Louisville has been that's a good one. one of their Achilles heels, it feels like, these 
well, I mean, they're just such a dominant program. You think about some of the greats that are in the WNBA now. I mean, Asia Durr, I remember watching her. Um, you know, and, and now that I think about this, um, I don't know why this game popped into my head, but this game should also be in those ACC Network uh, classics that for Syracuse yeah. Day. How about the game that Alexis Peterson sets the dome record for most points, more than Michael Jordan, more than Carmelo, more than Pearl Washington ever scored in that building? She goes out there, puts up 45 against the Wolfpack. One of the best games I've actually ever seen inside the dome. That was really cool. Anyway, yeah. sidetracked there. But <laughs> women's basketball taking down Louisville. That was a big win for them. Louisville ends up being uh, the top seed in the ACC. It was a top five team at the time. And they go out and, and beat them inside the Loud House. So that that was a really cool moment this season. Yeah. So where's Trill Williams' touchdown on your list? Okay, Is so it- my... My number three is the women's lacrosse beating Maryland. Okay, that makes okay. sense. So, right. so I'll skip that one. My number two is the Trill Williams walk off. Okay, huh? So, I guess you don't have my top two. Just to give it real quick, one of them you'll be without just based on numbers. Mm-hmm. Is number two for me was the UNC ACC championship win, where Elijah Hughes comes out, puts on a show, really just everyone coming together Sidibe has a great game good way to put a bow on Hughes's career the season a game that I think if you went back and looked at our podcast from the day before we we gave them no shot and a lot of people gave them no shot just based on the Bayheim Roy Williams history how UNC looked the night before they were all of a sudden how UNC looked in the dome too right yep and you know Garrison Brooks playing well and the matchup problems that it presented and well, the fact that not UNC only... was this quote-unquote team of destiny in the ACC yes, right that they were gonna go run the table I mean they were big time favorites as a 14 seed over a six seed despite playing on really no rest after playing the night before and it was also in Greensboro too you got to keep that in right. mind so Home a game. pro UNC crowd now you look back on that game it's almost hard to rank because for me at least that sticks out so much because I was sitting first row and I was just sort of looking around at all the fans realizing this is probably going to be the last game of the season because as that game's going on on March 11th Rudy Gobert comes out and I know Elijah and Buddy said they find out about the NBA season being canceled and suspended at halftime and you know that's the Tom Hanks night and everything that's when we really realized was getting real for for lack of a better phrase. And I think it's tough to rank, but also it's just kind of a cool moment because there was a Let's Go Orange chant in Greensboro and basically the last sporting event with fans really since that time period. I mean, in over a month now, that's the last game that had fans in it. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. That's my number one. And I mean, seeing all them going out there and beating UNC... It was a, a nice little send-off. Even though they didn't necessarily know it at the time, it was a nice little send-off. And I, I made that comment earlier about how everything was timely. And to pay that off, I mean, look at some of these moments, all right? The Trill walk-off, senior day, okay? You yeah. send those seniors off the right way. Beating UNC, it's the same thing. That that was the last game some of those seniors, or I guess there really weren't any seniors, but Sean, Sean Belby is the lone one, but he gets... <laughs> He gets the win. He gets to be sent out that way. Elijah Hughes gets to be sent out that way. And uh, the the women's lacrosse, the the Maryland game, the, just the timeliness of that. 
that was a senior night technically for them. So yeah. it, it just the timeliness of everything really felt good for a lot of these moments. So my number one, you don't even have. That's pretty crazy. And just to go through it real quickly, it's the Virginia overtime win at Charlottesville. Buddy okay. Bayheim hits the almost half-court shot. They scored 21, yeah, I think bank, it was, yep. mm-hmm. in overtime after scoring 20 in the second half alone. Looked like they were dead to rights in that game. That was a game, again, similar to UNC. No one saw them winning after losing a couple ACC games to start out the season. Virginia was rounding into form. History says Virginia, you can't come back on once they're up in a game. And they actually Even hung with them on the has boards. done that twice. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And, and actually in recent history, too. Yeah. But that was their best win of the season in terms of it was the only ranked team they beat all year. And it doesn't even really feel like a ranked team, although Virginia did get back to being ranked at the end of the year. But yeah, they were they, slipping They sputtered for a little bit, and that was kind of during their skid. I had that as an honorable mention. But another honorable mention I do want to throw out there, there's no real moment, I feel like. I mean, maybe it was that first Chase Scanlon game where he goes absolutely off, but men's lacrosse, they had a bunch of dominating performances and end the season number one in the polls, but there wasn't any just stick-out moment where, like, the drama, the the perseverance, what what have you. There wasn't any singular moment like that, but they do deserve to be mentioned in it because they were the best program amongst the school for the entirety yeah. of the year. But they're, I mean, they were just too dominant. It felt like for them to to actually get one of those top five spots. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. It feels like Syracuse didn't really get the proper chances in lacrosse to have those type of moments this season, the cardiac cues type moments. But look out for next year, of course, because that entire midfield's coming back for men's lacrosse. Drake Porter's back on the women's side, too. Emily Harris-Chuck's back. It's going to be the national title favorites in men's and women's lacrosse coming from Syracuse next season, whenever they do play. So that'll be fun. But that'll do it this week. For the Lockdown Syracuse podcast, we'll be back starting Monday, every single weekday. Monday, we'll have some draft recap stuff for you, and look out for the Syracuse guys that we profiled this week in the NFL draft. Four names to keep an eye on. We'll see how many of them get drafted, and when they are, we'll recap that on Monday. And also, talking to Malcolm Folk, one of the recent Syracuse commits this weekend, we're going to record that interview and have it for you next week. So that should be fun. Keep an eye out for that in your podcast feeds, and maybe even another Syracuse recruit in the future. We're going to try and really dive into recruiting over the summer. So anyway, that'll wrap things up for this week. For Tyler, I'm Tim. Have a good weekend, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday.